what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. Back again with the captain, Mr. Andy Full. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Agbrett. Andy, what's going on, man? Congrats on the uh, the night derb dub, oh. night derb dub last oh, night. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was fun. I'm more, I'm still more in shock about the record-breaking smallmouth bag as we're recording this from today and Brian Smith. And it was awesome because, you know, he's an alpha angler rod guy. So it's like mm-hmm. a, little, a little slap on the back. But I have a funny Brian. Uh, oh, you're not trying to take any credit for that, are you? No, 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 no. Well, the first time <laughs> you I met... your own back for Brian's win. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I'm just being funny. But the first time I met Brian Smith was at the Classic at Hartwell. Mm-hmm. And I was walking over to talk to La Barbara. And he comes running from the Alpha Angler booth with the entire rack of rods. And he goes, don't tell Boomer. And he hit him in the bucking bass booth. And Boomer comes and <laughs> like, where'd my rods go? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And you see, you look over and Brian's like popping over like the, the jacket rack, like smiling. And then Boomer turns around and he like pops down. I was like, that guy's hilarious. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's one of the good ones. <laughs> he is one of the good ones. So uh, very happy for him. It was awesome. So. Hopefully we can close it out. 29.5, new Bassmaster Elite Series record for a smallmouth bag, a pure smallmouth, uh, all five being uh, smallmouth. 29.5 is a giant bag. Yeah. And he didn't even have big fish. No. Who had big fish? Was it Mueller, right? Was it Mueller's? I think it was Mueller with a 6'11". Oh, no, well by the way, 6'11", uh, I believe is somebody from our fantasy fishing show said 6'11". Yeah, probably. I want to say it's actually Boomer. I think Boomer might have said it was 6'11", but yeah, I was talking to him today and Boomer was telling me some stories of, of Bryant that uh, we'll have to get Bryant and Boomer on the same show and kind of oh, the Bryant roast. Yeah, the Bryant roast. <laughs> I, so, I told, uh, I texted Boomer earlier and I said, I'm telling Bryant that you abandoned him on the final event of the year after picking him like seven of the nine. So see, this is the this is why fantasy fishing is all superstition because when you first time you don't pick a guy is when they do really good, and then when you you do pick them is when they do bad. Yeah, especially in your case. Oh, dude, it's horrible. It's horrible. So like, Fouts has been on a tear. Not that he had a bad start to today, twenty one pounds, but twenty one pounds has got him in like thirty seventh or something crazy. And of course, I pick him for this one after he has two top tens. I'm sitting. I'm like, I, I feel bad. Like, I feel like I should text Jacob and be like, "I'm sorry. This is my fault. I'll take this one." <laughs> like, <laughs> I gotta stop picking friends in fantasy. Yeah, history. but but if he gets 21 pounds again tomorrow, that could not be enough. Like, with the 21 up. might drop him tomorrow. Yeah, like, he could end up in the 40s. You're gonna need like 22 to 23, I think, tomorrow to make the cut. It's I going to be 30, 30 tomorrow. What? I think we'll see a dirty 30 tomorrow. I think somebody yeah. – I think Chris Johnson is going to drop 30 today as people are listening. Dude, he left at like 1 o'clock and went and waited. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. It's, he it's left the primary area and went into the river and then caught a six-pounder and then waited. Yeah. Which is just like, what the heck? Yeah. Well, regardless, uh, a great event going on. Love to see New York on display. Um, it will be interesting, though, because so many pros that are like – I didn't want to go on the lake and beat up my boat. All said, I'm going to lake tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see how crowded the lake is going to be tomorrow and if that affects or, any of the bags. I don't know if it'll be that crowdy, crowded, though, because that lake fish is so big. It does, but also, I mean, when they're only on certain things, it doesn't. Sure. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. The mouth but, of the river where Safuentes and both Johnson started in the morning might be a little bit more crowded, I bet. Yeah, I'm sure because it's right there. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Either way, uh, day two is going on. Uh, If you're listening to this on a Friday, uh, day two is going on. And it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. If they change, if people drop, people have good days. We'll see. Um, Nonetheless, we have a great episode today. We got our buddy, Mr. Noah Schultz, coming back on. Uh, The the proclaimed best out of Minnesota by several people. Uh, So we're going to be diving into the noggin of Mr. Noah Schultz here because I've gotten to uh, obviously have Noah on the Schultz here. Uh, Noah, Noah on the Schultz. Can you Noah talk? on the show. <laughs> I, like, I just kind of like that. Noah on the Schultz. Noah. Uh, Noah on the show here a couple of times, but then also spend a couple of days uh, fishing with him as well. And uh, my brain and his brain, 
while his operates way better than mine, it's, it's the same track in regards to how we, we, we approach lakes. And so that's, that's why I'm very intrigued and always love getting them on here. So Andy, I think without further ado, get him on here. Mr. Noah Schultz, what's going on, man? What's up? Going on. Drop the water. <laughs> yeah, after a, I feel like you're always fishing. Oh, me too. That's a good thing, though. It is. It is. It's why I like... say that I have jealousy than anything else. Yes. I think I've been on the road for almost two weeks now, fishing every day. I'm tired. I'm exhausted, but I love it. <laughs> and that's so. just in Minnesota? Yeah, going from Derby to Derby to Derby. We've got uh, practice right now through Sunday for the Classic Bass Champions Tour. Uh, the championship is uh, is coming up Wednesday, so we got to practice through Sunday, a few days off, then championship on Wednesday, and then we roll back home. We have a goal. We get back home the next day. I got to start practice for another tournament. And I I can't even keep track more. My wife has a whole book of everything. I schedule everything, and then I got to come back up here for a couple more up here, and then go back down home for some more back home. So we're all over the place, but it's fun. We enjoy it. We have a camper. We travel with the kids, and we travel all over Minnesota pretty much all summer long. That's what we do. Yeah, I have to say it is impressive on how big the Minnesota bass fishing scene is. Oh, it's massive. It's like, especially like the last five years. It's just, it's just like exploded. It's so big, but we have a lot of great fisheries too, though. Yeah, so that helps. that's probably why it's easy. It's easy for people to get into fishing in Minnesota because. I mean, with it doesn't matter where you live in the state, within 10 miles of your house, you probably have a good lake, you know, and you can go catch bass. So it makes it easy for people to like it and get into. How yeah. many of the lakes in Minnesota have you actually fished at this point? Well, probably a fraction of a percent. <laughs> <laughs> there's 10,000 lakes. There's, there's literally, like, within, within 30 miles of my house, there's, I could fish a different lake. Every day of the month, probably, and not hit the same way twice. Insane. So it's, yeah. Andy, this We're is why I'm up. telling you, on my bucket list is to literally, and, and Noah, I probably told you this when we were at uh, in Iowa together. Uh, one of my top of my bucket lists is to take a summer in Minnesota and fish a new, or, new lake or two every single day. Because some of the lakes there that you can probably get to in a kayak is probably ridiculous. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have like 30 acre lakes that don't get touched. Like because you crazy. can't get a boat on them, basically, right? Well, you or can if, if you're motivated. You can. <laughs> yeah, depends how motivated. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. We have some. We have some real gems, and and the two, it's like we have so many lakes that a lot of them just don't get fished because there's more popular lakes that people prefer to go to, and so a lot of our fisheries are untouched, really. You know. Right. Is uh. In your opinion, is Minnesota the best state in the north to try to make a living tournament fishing not at a national scale, like whether it's a regional, local level? I I think yes, because of one reason and one reason only. That's because of the champions tour. Because you're fishing as an individual and with all the contingencies they have set up for us, like you could walk away if you win an event by yourself. You can walk away out of that, you know, making 16, 17 grand if you play your cards right and run the right, you know, if, if you run the right stuff, even more, you know, if you have certain boats, you can win, you know, 25 grand coming out of it, one event. And then the championship, you're fishing for a one day shootout for a $60,000 skeeter, like by yourself <laughs> out of 30 boats, you know, so. And then we have, then we have plenty of individual big events like the Blackfish Classic, you know, for 15 grand, the Minnetonka Classic for 10 grand. We have the team trail, Minnesota team trail where every event is 10 grand. Like we have a lot of $10,000 pot tournaments in the state. Like you can, that's why I'm so busy. I just go from tournament to tournament to tournament. I just, I chase the money, you know, that's what I do all summer long. Right. I mean, that's smart. That's how, that's how you should do it. If you're going to try to make it at that. At Unless that you're not catching checks and it's not very smart. You're going to go back yeah. home. <laughs> Get a real so. job, right? <laughs> like stop fishing. There's so much Lake Minnetonka alone. Like There's so many high dollar tournaments in that lake. Like, I don't even know how many events every year. 
like Dennis Super 30, there's five of them for, you know, five grand each. And there's GH Fall Brawl, that's 5,000. Blackfish Classics, 15,000. Mythal Classics, 10,000. That's just a handful on one lake in the state. And then we have all these other ones too, you know. So mm-hmm. a lot of money to be made in Minnesota just because we have so many fisheries. Right. Well, dude, I mean, with that that tournament scene, you've definitely found the uh, the uh, what what's the term I'm looking for? Not the secret. The uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking here. I've been horrible with my words lately. The uh, what's the list of ingredients that you get for the recipe? That's what I'm looking. For. <laughs> Lord, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, you found the recipe for, for Minnesota from a tournament standpoint. <laughs> It's wow. one of those days, guys. I'm sorry. What's that? So I'm, I'm with you. I'm tired too. I'm up to like three in the morning. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, the fishing well, dude, life. I understand and, your pain. Right. Well, and dude, so you love to be offshore. For folks that maybe have not listened to the first episodes we've done with you, or maybe this is their first time listening and learning about you. You're an offshore guy through and through. You're not afraid to go, you know, up shallow, but you like to be yeah. offshore with the electronics, uh, which is exactly why I yeah. love following along with you. I love learning from you because I'm the same way, or at least I aspire to be the same way, if you will. Um, so with that kind of, you know, obviously not making you give up the juice, but like from your process standpoint, whether it's practice or breaking down a new body of water, being that Minnesota has got so many dang lakes, you know, you go to a new body of water and utilizing those electronics. What's your process to break that body of water down? Uh, so it depends because all our fisheries are so different. You know, like I'll take Lake Minnetonka, for example, without getting too specific. Obviously, because there's a lot of money on that lake. I don't want to get like, too much. <laughs> we want a lot point. of success. On... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fine because yeah. every year it changes. So <laughs> I don't think I've ever wanted to. I don't think I've ever won more than one tournament off a spot every year. It changes every time. Every I don't know why, because it, it's a grass fishery. So that kind of goes back to what I'm saying. Like Lake Minnetonka is a good example. Every time you go to that lake, you have to break it down every time because it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. Um, like when I first started fishing Minnetonka, I don't know, about eight years ago maybe, the weed lines grew out to like maybe 16, 17 foot max. And now they're all to like 25, 26 in some places. So the lake is getting clearer, weeds are getting deeper, they're getting thicker, less milfoil, but more more coontail. So the lake's kind of evolving, and you got to be able to change with that. So, like, for me, going to a new body of water, uh, like, let's take, you know, like I said, Minnetonka example, it's a clear water fishery with deep grass. So initially, my thought process goes to, if it's summertime, let's say pull spawn, it's not much of a springtime spawn angler i would prefer to be offshore like you said so we're post spawn we're in the summer now i'm immediately gonna go to the edge of the grass weed edge you know and i'm gonna figure out where that weed line is okay it's a 25 foot of water consistently throughout the system it's in 20 to 25 foot i'm gonna get on my hummingbirds my lake master and i'm gonna highlight that 20 to 26 27 foot contour and that instantly eliminates 90% of the water for you, and it makes things pop out. And I can see, just by looking at my map, high percentage areas, you know. And right. That, that right there is like huge right there. If people aren't, if people aren't doing that alone right there, you, you got to start. Like, mm-hmm. that cuts your time down so fast because you don't realize it. By looking at just a regular map on your Lake Master, everything's kind of blends together. But if you figure out where the, what water column the fish are in, Let's say it's even shallower, like a, a shallower, dirtier lake. The fish, majority of the fish are in six to ten foot of water. You highlight six to ten foot. You get bit. You, you you get bit in that water column. You know where some fish live in there. Some good quality fish live in there. You highlight it, then you can start running it. And once you figure out a specific pattern, you know, like they're on an inside turn or they're on the tip of a point or a hump or whatever it might be. Those things really start to pop out to you and you can really pick them apart and you can just bypass a lot of the non-productive water just by simply looking at your graph at your lake master map and just stuff like that really 
really helps me break down lakes really fast. But the first thing, you know, the first little bit on there, I'm just kind of just trying to feel it out, get a few bites, you know. And right. Once I get a few I... big bites, key bites, then it's like, okay. Because typically, like you guys know, we're anglers. Big fish do what big fish do, if that makes sense. Like, 100%. If there's four pounders offshore on a weed line, the odds are he's not the only four pounder in that lake doing that same thing. Like you can almost always replicate it over and over and over again. So yeah. once you get a big bite or two, it's very easy to get on your graph, highlight, cut out 90% of the lake, get rid of all the fluff and all the nonsense and just focus on that water column and go. That's like know, my first I have a thing question I do. for you. So say you roll up to a lake, right? And your lake master chip doesn't work on that lake because some lakes don't have it on it, especially here in New York for whatever reason. How do you break down a lake that way without your lake master chip working on your hummingbird unit? For those who don't have, lake to me that would be heaven. <laughs> I would <laughs> I, that would be, be heaven for me. I like it. I, so I would love are. that because that means okay, the only people that are going to know about the offshore structure are the guys that put in the work and get behind yeah. their steering wheel. You know. So that I would love that, <laughs> but there's not many lakes in Minnesota that aren't hurting anymore. Yeah, but that's, I would, that's what I would do. I, I would look at the water clarity. Water clarity dictates everything that I'm going to do. Basically, if I go to a lake, I see crystal clear water. I'm going to look deeper. If I see, you know, a foot of visibility, I'm probably not going to go too deep. Depending, well, in my in my region, anyways, that could vary depending on where you live. But in my region, if I've got four inches of visibility. I'm probably not going to look any deeper than 10 to 15 foot. And then I start, I'll get behind the steering wheel and I'll graph and I'll graph and I'll graph and I'll graph. So I start to find points, rock piles, you know, isolated milfoil patches, whatever it may be for that particular body of water, because every body of water is so different. And then I start to put the pieces of the puzzle together, get a few bites. And then you can just keep, like I said, you know, big fish do what big fish do. And they always seem to do the same thing generally. Not always, but you can almost always count on it and pattern it for that specific lake on that specific you know time period or day. Yeah. So when you're saying, so you find fish that are in six to ten, uh, and with Humber, like especially Lake Master VX, and I know like just to keep this universal, obviously you and I are, are hummingbird guys. Um, I mean Andy is too, really. Andy's got all hummingbirds, but uh, keeping this universal for folks like i know you can do the same thing with navionics with hot maps and you know do your your um your uh whatchamacallit um chart palettes like have your different depth layers um do you do anything like do you so i know with humbird vx lake master vx it's got four i want to say it's four is it four four different um if you do depth shading like you could do the four different layers i don't know if it's four or five um I thought it was I six. Think, but yeah, it might be three, for sure three, if not four. Right. So with with that, all right, let's say if you find the fish are in six to ten, how are you laying that out in regards to like, are you putting one as like your shallow water is going to be like less than five or maybe you're not catching them and then just doing a different color for from six to, you know, six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine. Like, how are you, how are you setting that up? So I, I like to simplify it. I don't want I want things to pop. So I always, always do a shallow water highlight. Always for number one for navigation reasons. So I don't mm-hmm. tear my more unit off, you know. And number two, it gives you a real good idea of where the big flats are. You know, it really sticks out. And um, and typically, I don't highlight anything else except for what I am trying to focus on, because mm-hmm. then that really makes that one layer pop for you. You know. You don't get lost in all the other. Everything else is kind of dull except for your shallow water and then that 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 water column you're actually looking. For. That's how I run it. I mean, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it's just how I do it. You know, I'm very. I don't know, particular. I, I like to get as dialed in as I possibly can, and I prefer yeah. you know like. I don't know. Like, I like to get dialed in on one thing, and when I do figure out that one thing, I like to get like super dialed into it and really hone in and pick it apart and I'll ignore everything else and really hone in on that. And that's, you know, that specific, you know, specific day, maybe and that might change the next day, but 
So that's why I kind of just do the shallow water highlight for navigation reasons. And number one, you can really see where your big massive flats are because a lot of times some of the best offshore structure is going to be right off of your biggest flat in the lake. You know, that's where some of your biggest populations of fish are going to live sometimes, not all the time, but because, you know, especially in grass fisheries, you have all that vegetation up on that huge massive flat and you have that long point or whatever it may be that comes off that flat. You know, it's just flats and fish kind of go hand in hand, you know? So, right. God, that's so interesting. It's crazy how something that simple from a feature standpoint can like from just like the human brain and how we look at things make the process of breaking down water so much easier. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that for whatever <clears throat> reason that like psychology aspect of it and whatever makes me just want to nerd out completely. I don't know. Maybe Andy, I sound like a psychologist. This is something right so now. simple, but when you get on your graph, like I said, it's like something so simple, but if you don't highlight anything at all, it all just kind of blends together and everything just kind of blends and nothing really sticks out. I mean, things stick out, but if you change that color, like, so me, I do red for shallow, my right. shallow water highlight, and then I'll do yellow for the contour that I want to fish. And the rest of it is just blue, you know, or, you know, and it just makes it pop. You can see everything. And it's like, you know, right where to go, you, Things really, really, really stick out, and to me, for me, that makes sense. And that's what I do, and that's I've been doing that for years and years and years. And it really helps me go to, like, especially these massive bodies of water I've never been to before in my life, you know. And then you go there, you figure out, you get a few bites, and you okay, get on your map, highlight everything, boom, away you go. And a lot of times it holds true over and over. Yeah, you're gonna have dead water, but you might run five spots or let's say ten spots. And three of them will have fish, seven won't. But you just found three spots in two hours where it might have taken you two days to find those three spots, you know, if you didn't mm -hmm. highlight right. and try to eliminate 90% of the lake. Right. See, with, with my OCD, so like you mentioned how you take like yellow and that you make that the depth range that you want to focus on. My OCD makes me take like the rest. So, like, say you, you highlight yellow from 6 to 10, and that's where you're focusing on. My OCD will make me take the four different palettes and do, like, 6, 7, 7, 8, 8, 9. Like, just so they're all different. I don't know why. Just using all of them makes my, <laughs> my satisfies my OCD. Well, see, I don't do that. Because then it, to me, it gets, it gets it's too common. Like, it, it, looks, it looks really good. Like, it looks, you know, pretty and all that. But it's pretty. the clutter, yeah, it, it gets cluttered in my mind. Like, I just want... I don't care about the rest of it. I just want to see six to ten. I don't care what the rest of the lake looks like, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, to each their own, that's just how I do things. Like, I'm, I try to simplify fishing because it's, fishing can be so overwhelming and overcomplicated a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like, especially, like, coming from a smallmouth standpoint, I know, Andy, you can agree on this, too, like, I think there's cert a lot of situations for you that works really well. And now it'd be interesting though, when it comes to like a great lake standpoint where like you're catching them in 20, but you're also catching them in 40. It's like, where do you, where do you do that? Is that two like same process, but you use two different pallets type of deal to bring that out. That's like kind of an interesting deal. I mean, I'll toss it over to you, Andy, from yep. like having to adjust as a guide all the yep. time on the great lakes every single day. How do you approach that? So like, let's throw like a standard guide trip out there a normal day on the water with me i will think of where i'm going to fish based on the sum the seasonal pattern because i know lake erie pretty much like the back of my hand at this point and what i'll do is i'll run i'm not going to graph that much during guide trips unless we're not catching them but i'll start usually shallower and work my way deeper and depending on what size fish i catch in what depth range then i will adjust my graph and start running different shading on certain depths so I know which waypoints to run to my next round. You know what I mean? So, like, mm -hmm. I start in 20 to 25, and I catch two pounders, and I go 30 to 35, and I catch fours. And if I go out to 45 and I catch a six, I'll ask clients, like, you want to catch numbers? You want to try to get big ones? Or you want to try to catch, like, in between? And then we'll target the fish based on that on the first couple spots I run during the day. Because you never know, like some days you pull up in 20 foot of water and it's loaded with big ones. Usually not, but sometimes that happens. And 
luckily I have so many waypoints that I can duplicate it all over the lake just by changing the contour so I know where to look throughout the day. So Makes sense. manipulating your graph to maximize your success is very important to understand yeah. how it works. Yeah, for sure. So kind of go back to touch on what Bailey said, like if you have two, two patterns kind of going, like Minnetonka, for example, coontails in 2025, but we also have milfoil in Minnetonka where that grows anywhere from 8 to 12. So a lot of times I'll highlight 8 to 12 and then I'll highlight 20 to 25 so I can, you know, kind of bounce back and forth and keep checking both patterns, you know. Right. So with, with that, though, you know, one thing I was uh, instructed really to bring up, and I think this is a great point, is you seem to, with, with that, you seem to have a very, a very free mind in regards to there's some people that think because of what they found in practice, certain things, they're afraid to go try something completely different, especially when it's tournament time. But from talking with you and from what other folks have even told me as well is that you could have nothing in the live wall at noon and completely to go do something you've never done ever before and just test the bite. You know what I'm saying? So like talk about your just like the mindset to being free to go and while you might not even try it in practice, go try something completely different off the wall just because it's you thought of it. got us well it's i guess it comes from experience you know and the more you fish the more you the different bodies of water you see like i guess the best way i can explain it is we all we've all experienced this we've all gone through it especially in practice for a lot of us the best bite is the bite that's happening that day right mm-hmm. like how many days have we during practice cork 24 pounds and then derby day you get <laughs> two pounders or whatever you know the best bite is the right. bite that's going on right now that day. And the only way to find that out is to test those different patterns. And that's, I, I feel like that's, I don't, I, that's why I'm not afraid to test because I, I know that if I do find that pattern, that it, it, could, it could, boom, it could happen like that. And perfect example is last week and my son and I fished turned back home. I haven't been on the lake in over a year. I know the lake and all the lake well. But I haven't been on the lake in over a year. And I intentionally did not go to practice on purpose for that reason, be able to fish free-minded. Get there. And I knew I did I did have preconceived notions in my mind, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna catch big ones, you know. The goal there, we right. start fishing around, nothing. We you know, check some deep stuff, nothing. Start fishing, run some docks, nothing. Go start flip flipping milfoil, nothing. Go start fishing pads, nothing. And then the, the sun got up, and we had fished deep already. Never, had, well, we we caught a couple of rats. I mean, then we had like three pounds for three fish. You know, it's like ten thirty, eleven o'clock in the morning, but the sun got high. It started getting hot. We have dirty water, so I'm like, something tells me we got to go back offshore. Like, even though we've already fished it, nobody else is fishing offshore because the offshore bite has not been good for really anybody doc talk everyone's saying the offshore bite's not really good they're not going i said we gotta go try it again you know we gotta go back out there we gotta fish some really deeper rock because it's really hot and the sun's really high we gotta fish some deeper rock first deep rocks probably go out we cork like 19 pounds off we roll into the next one we catch a seven pounder we gotta get another big one it's like next thing you know we go from three pounds at 11 o'clock in the morning go from three pounds to 24 pounds within a matter of an hour you know and then we just roll with that all day long and but once we figured that pattern out, it's like, okay, I know we got more deep rock here. We got some more deeper rock here. There's rock all over the lake, but we we're specifically looking for that little bit deeper rock that was, you know, two to three foot deeper than the majority of the rock in the lake. And being able to, you know, fish with a free mind allowed me to do that. Where that same lake a year prior, we went into that tournament and we wanted fishing docks. Like, you just, being able to have a free mind, I guess, is kind of, I'm not explaining. It's like, like oh, no. serpent leg, like, you know, you know, like you're talking about before we, we went on the recording here is that lake has small mouth and large mouth. It's crystal clear. I went to it. I had a good practice with deep small mouth out, like 30 foot of water. And, uh, tournament day comes. It's crystal clear water, high sun, 90 degrees, black calm. 
and I pulled my first smallmouth spot, and I could tell instantly they were not going to want to play ball. So, like, I just instantly, I'm like, okay, if I want to win, I got to figure out something to do that I can catch fish because it's a catchway release format. And that also gave me the advantage of kind of being able to see real time what the lake is doing with other anglers, you know? So, right. I don't know. It's keeping an open mind. Like, I wasn't scared. I knew, like, oh, yeah, I could bomb and come in dead last. But if I could figure something out, I could win, you know? And I fortunately figured something out and I ended up climbing the leaderboard and coming away with the win, you know? But doing things I never even did in practice, but just fishing the day and fishing the conditions. Yeah, I mean, I think that in itself is an art. An art, but yeah, but I think that is one of the biggest advantages a tournament angler can have is that from a mindset. Like you yeah. could, it, it, it we talk about the price this all though, because my right. my tournament. Go ahead. It's uh like I said, it, it, it comes to the price because you that's that style of fishing is hero or zero, like, and that's why I think it's hard for people because. There's two sides to it. Either you can capitalize and you have a great event, or you can come in down here because it did not pan out and you could not figure anything out. And I, I have those events. Like I'm either up here or I'm down here, and there's no in between because my style is I'll drop everything to try to win the tournament. I'm not fishing for points. I'm not fishing for fifth. AOI is nice. Angler of the Year is nice, but that's not my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is to win events. Like I don't care about Angler of the Year. Like if I achieve it, great, awesome. But my goal is to win events, and I will sacrifice a win. I'll, I'll, I'm not scared to come in dead last if I think I can give myself a shot to win. And I guess that's just my style and my mindset. Yeah, no, I feel like that's a deadly mindset. If anything, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, that's what that is. Um, so going back on. Like when you've been catching fish in six to ten, does it does it ever like come across your mind where you're like, man, I wonder if maybe in this part of the lake they might be in twelve to fifteen? Like, does it ever? Do you ever try to like go outside the lines, if you will? What what what'll trigger you? To oh, like in practice? Even even in a tournament, like say you in practice you were catching them in six like to ten. Like when I figure out a. Like, you got me. I just, just the feedback, the feedback the fish are giving you. Like, I'm always waiting for what the fish are telling me to do. Like, but I, I just wrapped up Lahama to event for the Champions Tour. And my entire practice basically was spent in that 15 to 23 foot range fishing offshore weed lines. And um, I started the morning off that way. And then a couple of the guys rocketed up the leaderboard. And I instantly thought, like, my practice tells me that I can't keep up with these guys. So I got to figure something out. So I, I bailed out all my practice. <laughs> I spent four, I know I spent five days up there practicing. I bailed on everything and I, and the sun popped out. It got, it was a hundred and some degrees that day. It got really hot. And I'm like, this is a recipe for shallow water, docks, mats, pads, anything shallow. Like this is a recipe for fish to pull up and get undercover. So then I started running Shame. as fast as I could and hitting all this Exactly. Running shade, running cover, because number one, the fish that are up there are going to be there to eat. You know, they're going to be active. They're going to be easy to pick off. So I started running that. I just, the day, number one, it was two, two things. Number one, I knew I could not win. I, could, I couldn't keep up with those guys based on my practice. And the only way I thought I had a shot of even keeping pace with these guys was to go find new fish and fish that were going to come to me, which they were. And as the day progressed, that bike got better and better and better for me. And I climbed all the way up to I ended up in sixth place. When I was down midday, I was down in the 20s, you know. So it's kind of as the day unfolds and the weather conditions change. And as the day unfolds in front of you, I guess I just kind of taken bits and pieces of what the fisher told me to do, what the weather's doing, the body of water I'm on, and trying to put it all together and run with it. But you know, even on the Champions Tour, I you know put up five days in the practice offshore, and on an instant, I right or wrong, I maybe I could have done good or better offshore. I don't, I don't know, but in my mind, I thought my offshore fish aren't good enough to keep pace with what these guys are doing. 
I have to find something that's going now, that's happening today, and then look at just based on the weather and the conditions. That's what I thought was my best shot. And then that's what I did. And then I'm panning out. So and I didn't win, but I saved face. I got sixth place and a good check and moving on to the championship. Right. God, just Andy, like that mindset, that freeness. Like, yeah. It's a scary mindset, not just for you as an individual, like as for me listening to it, right? Not, it's not so much scary for you because that's your process of doing things, but it's scary as an individual who knows that if I'm fishing against somebody that's free like that, and I try not to like think about what other people are doing and how they're fishing, but knowing that there might be somebody in the field that is able to drop everything they're doing on a moment's notice to chase a bite. They're the most dangerous people in the field, right? It's like, mm-hmm. there's, there's the two most dangerous people in the term are the one guy who shows up to the ramp with one rod on his deck. Cause you know, he had practice dialed and two is a person that has probably 70 rods on their deck and they're willing to try everything until that bite happens. So it's like when you start seeing guys with like four or yeah. five rods, that's, like that's I don't know. But I got bit on this and this, doing this and that. They don't know, but they got bites. It's the two most dangerous people are the ones who are, yep. one, they know what they're doing and they're going to do it all day for the five bites or the guy that's willing to drop everything and run a completely different pattern. And it's it's awesome. Yep. I love like, it. <laughs> I'm not scared to get on a flat and throw, like, throw a hair jig for smallmouth on sand. Yeah. And then I'll go offshore and... 20 foot of water and throw an A rig, and I'll go right back to a weed line and drop shot largemouth and pick up, and I'm going to go right to some mats in a, a foot and a half of water and punch mats with an ounce and a half weight. I'll do it all in the same tournament. Like, and I'll just keep testing everything until I start getting clues. Like, okay, I'm getting bit doing this. And then I'll stop, and I'll go check some other things, and I'll come back. Okay, I'm getting bit again. You need to start to oh. build on it. And, you know, here's my question How long do you give a spot for nobody? But it can burn you <laughs> really bad. Yeah. So, like, how long do you give each bite or area of the lake before you move Depends. I know this is the magic question, right? Because there's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> oh, we still got him. We got you, Noah. You broke you broke up real bad there. I said, is that the magic yep. question? Can you hear me now? Because yep. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. What? What was the question? Oh, I said there's like no rhyme or reason, right? Like that's the magic in it. There's no rhyme or reason or for when you're going to abandon something and try something else. So it's like there's no allotted time frame. You just go like you're like you just feel it. No. You're like, yep, time to bail. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm also not scared to sit on a spot for an entire tournament and make the same cast over and over and over again too. Like it all just my, – my son and I, we – fished a 90 boater on Minnetonka last year. We sat in one spot for seven and a half hours and made the same guess over and over and over again. This, it, again, it came down to conditions because it, it was just so tough. I felt like if we sat, we could milk it out and it ended up panning out. Like, I don't know. I'll, I just In my mind, I'll do whatever I think it needs to be done <laughs> to try to win. That's my ultimate goal. Is I try to win every turn I can and I'll do whatever it takes with that punching mats or flipping fishing docks or throwing a hair jug on flats for smallmouth or sitting on one spot in 25 foot of water making the same cast for seven hours like it whatever i feel is right for that day and i don't know how to answer that but i guess experience comes down it is experience i would say what you guys say make those decisions so i guess what noah is saying here is he's either gonna burn one dollar in gas in the tournament or he's gonna blow the entire take to the floor like right <laughs> you never much. know it's like yeah, yeah. so if you if you don't see noah during the day you're like dang yeah. it he's catching him and if you see noah running around a thousand times you're like dang it he's catching <laughs> him yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this depends on the day how the things are unfolding in front of me oh, right. it's incredible what the what what does your mind do or what do you do you have a process of like if you show up tournament day and you know nothing is working, you know you're trying new things, you're making those same fluid decisions as usual. 
but nothing of like of your confidence really is working and you have the oh crap button like what is what is your usual move to try to just even get a bite my my oh crap button would be dock fishing uh-oh we've told you really I, good I, that. that is my last resort but if i have to dock fish i will dock fish <laughs> i mean i don't don't like doing it, but if I have, there's always fish on docks all all year long. I don't care when it is or the conditions. If you burn enough docks, you will catch fish. You know, so mm-hmm. that's my break glass in case of emergency. It's docks. Break glass. Break glass. Okay. He's breaking the fire extinguisher out. He's putting out the flames. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're gonna we're gonna torch this derb. Is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, docs man. have their time and place and can be really special. I've seen it where guys roll up on docks. Like, I remember one tournament we fished together, Bailey. We were offshore, offshore, offshore. At the end of the day, like the last hour and a half, I was like, dude, we got to get a big one. And we went up shallow and just burned the bank, and we ended up getting two big ones. If we didn't win, but we, we came very close and we should have won. That's all my, yeah. my partner and I. My partner and I, we won black. That's what we did. We we started burning docks. We knew we, we knew we needed a big one. And yeah. I, on. well, I, I, that, was, that was a fun crazy. day. Yes. I have member many memories of that day. That big old thing was that day. <laughs> you went from no, it went from Andy's motor. <laughs> oh yeah. We're, we're running down the lake and my oil pump stopped working on my motor, so we're on trolling motor all day. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's good. Man. Yeah, that's good. I still have the footage from that day where it was pouring rain. Uh, it was October. It was like forty-five degrees and blowing forty-five, blowing like a mother. Which is it, it made for like that perfect fall day, though. Like the nastier, the better. You're going to smoke them. And we sat on one spot and probably caught maybe twenty, twenty-five different smallmouth, all of them over four pounds. But we couldn't get oh, like right. one over five. Yeah, I think was, that, that was our biggest one, and it was five even. Yeah. <laughs> so we had we had like twenty two pounds or so of smallies, and then at the end of the day, Andy's like, "Well, one, we need a big one, and two, we got to get back in time. So we might as well just start going to fishing docks on the way back." And pulls up to the first dock, and it's a freaking five pounder when he throws at it, and I'm like, "Of course." And then we go back, and we're about to go in. It's like the last dock of the fish. And he doesn't even throw at the dock. He throws in between the docks, like, leading up to the next dock. Catches, like, a six and a half. And we're like, well, that'll work. We're like, there's no way anybody beat us. And somebody comes in with a bigger bag. Yeah, like, by a pound. It was, like, a pound and a half or something we got beat by. We had, what, 25 and a half, Bailey? The 25 and a half, they had 26 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It was one one of those days. Oh man, you just laugh about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So here's a question for you, Noah. So yeah, you're if, off. If you get bit, go to the dock. Yeah, yeah. So here, here's a question for you. So you're offshore. You get you see a school on live. You see them on 360, and they're gonna chew just about anything you're gonna put in their face. What one? I'm curious. First three things you're gonna throw at them. But also, if you had a preference, are you throwing spinning or casting gear? Uh, jig. Day in, day out. <laughs> one answer, one answer. Oh, jig. I jig, jig, it. and jig. Jig, <laughs> jig, jig, and jig. <laughs> are you like uh, uh, like a tungsten, like compact jig guy? Or are you like that one ounce, big, chunky jig with like seven, six heavy and big floor. It depends on what format I'm fishing. If I'm, if I'm fishing if I'm fishing a five fish format, I'm going with the big jig. If it's a champions tour format where it's every fish counts, then I'm going with the compact tungsten jig. So but like it, it. it's always a jig. You guys I just feel like you're 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 more efficient and like me, i I want to bolt flip my fish. I don't want to, you know, fight them with a spinner rod and whatever. I want to set the hook drag them in, bolt flip them, make another cast, you know, back out there as fast as I can. But, so yeah, jig, drop shot, Nico. Well, no, 
Jig kind of got away from drop shot over the years. Jig, Nico, Ned. So Ned's kind of taken the place of a drop shot in the last few years for me. Those are kind of my three go-to. Two of them are spinning rods, sadly, but yeah. he's got like twenty. They don't buy a jig; they'll buy something else. Pump, for pump there. so they can still boat flip them. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that Nico. I, I mean, day in and day out. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. That's, sorry. Uh, no, there's there's a little bit of a lag here, so it's kind of hard to talk, yeah. but. You're good. We'll, we'll no, wait. That Nico, it's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. That, that Nico's kind of become a staple. You know, a Ned rig and a Nico kind of been, they're always on my deck, just, you know, along with my jig. Because if I pull up an offshore spot and I see fish, they won't eat a jig, which is most of the time, especially the bigger ones, will eat the jig no matter what. It almost seems like they almost always eat the jig. And then I'll clean up with a Nico or a Ned after that. I like it. So with the Nico, kind of walk us through your setup, but then, because I selfishly I'm curious, and then to like your favorite bait you'll throw with the Nico. Um, you're gonna make me answer that. You mean you don't have to? If you, don't, <laughs> I'm curious about the setup at least. <laughs> He's like, I got yeah, I'll, I'll give you setup. I'm, I'm gonna leave the bait out of it though. Okay, fair enough. I made I made too much money. On that bait at all, give it up. <laughs> but uh, Nico, so I, I I prefer a medium light. I know a lot of guys like mediums. I really like a light rod. I want my rod to load up for me. I don't want to set the hook. You know, I don't I don't want a big stiff rod. Nico, to, so Nico, seven foot medium light, ten pound braid to ten pound cigar and like fluorocarbon, because you're almost always fishing around some sort of cover. So there's no need to go to six pound or eight. I'm always fishing around grass. I'm fishing around rock or zebra mussel. So I'm always running 10 pound. Um, same with a Ned rig too. Um, Ned rig, seven foot medium light. I rarely use mediums for anything except for maybe like tube fishing. Um, so medium light. And then uh, for my Nico, I don't ever, 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 ever rarely go over a 16th ounce weight. Rarely. Unless it's really windy, I'll go to a 332nd. And I'll fish that all to 25, 30 foot of water. The 16th all weight. I see guys, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but you know, for me, what I've done over the years and my confidence is I see guys who like the real heavy weights and just those like a rock to the bottom. For me, I, I think like Nico, I'm thinking finesse. I'm thinking a lot of times you're fishing clear water. And a lot of those bites come on that initial fall where I was kind of just slowly spiraling down and falling nice and slow and gliding. So I want a slow fall. That's why I fish a 16th ounce. It takes a little longer to get to the bottom, but right or wrong, I don't know. But that's what I do. 16th ounce weight. Number two, VMC Nico hook, 10-pound line, 7-foot medium light. I love that. That's one thing I've been I've been learning, especially like Nico or some other rigs that I've been diving into lately that it seems like you have to find the happy medium where it can't be too light, but also it can't be too heavy. You got to find that happy medium where it's just light enough where it gets it to the bottom decent, but also doesn't send it flying like a rock. Yeah. Yeah. I'm now, the same way you... with, uh, with my neck breaks too. I'm the same way. I try to get away with the light. No, it's a delay. There's yeah. a delay yeah. there. <laughs> what? With net rigs, yeah, with, with the net rigs, I'll use uh, typically run an eighth ounce on the net rigs, and then I use like your Z Man Elastics because those float, so that slows your sink a little bit just having the floating plastic. But eighth ounce, I'll fish that all the way out to 25, even 30 foot of water on the eighth ounce, unless it gets windy, then I'll, then I'll kick it up a little bit, a little heavier head. But I don't ever go over an eighth, hardly, rarely ever. Makes sense. Now I know you won't talk about the bait, but will you at least tell us like what hook you're using? Oh uh, yeah, VMC Nico hook. VMC size two. Yeah. Oh, did that completely yeah. over my head? I'm I'm still sitting here trying to brainstorm what pot what bait he could possibly be throwing. <laughs> 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 
trying to if figure you know, out. If you know, you know. There's only a few of us. There's only a few of us there. You know. <laughs> I love it. Touche. Oh man. Well, I'm kind of so I'm I'm curious about this. This too, in regards to when it comes to tournament time for you, the fact that you're so able to ditch something and be able to trial run it if something else isn't working probably means you got a lot of stuff in your boat which means you i mean is that is that true that you just you make sure tournament day you got anything possibly you can need i imagine especially well with the champions tour events but yeah yeah i am um, loaded like the last event i i think i had I think I had like 20 rods rigged up, ready to go for 12 inches of water off the 27 foot of water. Uh, like I was ready for any situation. And so that way you're not wasting time in the event thinking, oh, I should do this. I got to rig this up quick. You know, I need an ounce and a half weight and I'm not ready for that. Like I have everything ready to go for every possible scenario I think I might encounter for that day just to make one cast or two casts. Like it, I want to make sure I'm ready. To make those two casts and i might not touch that rod again for the rest of the day but when i do make those two casts i'm not wasting three minutes digging around tying up looking for bobbers you know whatever the situation may be pick it up flip 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 put it down i won't touch it again the rest of the day or i might use the rest of the day i don't know i just want to make sure that i'm ready because tournament fishing is all about efficiency right it's how many casts can you make how many fish not to lose um how many targets can you hit you're not wasting cash. You're not wasting time tying lines, digging around. It just, it's all about efficiencies. The more casts you make, the more targets you hit, the more opportunities you have to catch fish. That's right. how I. That's what my mindset is going into an event like that. That makes sense. Now, you've been wreaking havoc for a while on Minnesota, and several people have come to me and we've had conversations that they think that you're the best that is coming out of Minnesota. So with that being said, I mean, looking ahead, is your plan to stay in the region or do you have any aspirations to go to like MLF or, or bass or anything like that? Are you chasing the opens or invitationals, things of that nature? It's, it's hard. It's a hard decision to make. Like I've been dreaming of it since I was a kid. I used to watch Bassmaster Bassmasters on TNN Outdoors with my dad. Bob Cobb was the MC. you know? That's what I grew up watching. So it's always been my lifelong dream and my goal of mine. But the reality is, it's like with a new format that the Bassmaster Opens came out with, to, with, the, with the EQ, it's like to fish all nine events when you have a family and kids and a job. It's like it's hard for me to sacrifice you're basically going to bet the house that you're going to have success. And if you don't, which odds are you're not going to, you know, odds are against you. If you don't, you know, what's the consequences of failing? You know, it's not for me, I own my own business. So it's not just the cost of it is I'm taking off time. And when I'm not working, I'm not making money. So it's a double edged sword for me. So it's a really hard decision for me to make. There's enough money in Minnesota right now in terms of fishing to keep me, to keep me going with this and the ultimate goal is to fish it yes at some point i don't know if that's going to be next year or the year after but as of right now with the new format and having the fork over you know on the cheap side i'm guessing 35 grand maybe even knocking on the door of 40 if you try to get by cheaply you know a lot of money to fork over you know so i don't yeah. i don't see it happening unless something changes i'm probably going to stick to minnesota for at least the next year or two and see how things go Take it year by year, really. And if an opportunity comes up and an opportunity arises, I'll probably take it. But as of right now, I'm with the new format, I can't. I got I got a bunch of kids and a wife and a mortgage to pay for and a business to run. And if I'm not home, the business isn't running and the kids aren't with me. And it's it's a lot, you know. So I don't know. Makes sense. Take it year by year. Makes sense. Family man. I like that. Andy, you got anything else left for, for Noah here? No, I was going to say, in order to jump to those EQs, I think you just got to win a few more tournaments. 
<laughs> well, I'm fishing for a boat next week that's worth about 60 grand. So. Yeah. So you can sell your own boat. We keep can that one, right? There you go. And now you're what? I might you sell bought... both this time if I win it again. Mm. And how many of you won of these champion tours now, just to remind the folks here? Because haven't you won two of them already? Um, Am I wrong? I've won... I've won six six champion tour events, and three of them were boats. So I've won three boats and six events total in the last four years. This is my fifth year on tour. Well, go get a fourth boat. So, <laughs> they might stop inviting you Hopefully here, Suko, if you keep taking them. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I will man. trade you a Hobie for one of the boats. <laughs> oh man! You know the cool thing is too is when I win these boats and I sell my old one, my 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 friends will buy them. So I still get to see all the boats. We all kind of, I still have visitation rights to them. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. You're sitting there. It's it's tournament day, and you're looking at who you're competing against. You're like, "Yeah, I own all of you. Those are my <laughs> boats." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. Well, here, okay, so we're gonna let you go here, Noah. But I have one last question for you. That for whatever reason, I've been in a habit of asking folks that we've had on the show this question, but I've been genuinely been curious about this as of late for whatever reason. But if you, if you couldn't fish again for the rest of your life, say you couldn't have fishing as a career path, something completely different, what would you choose? Like, if you couldn't do fishing, what would you do? I couldn't do fishing. What would I do? Mechanic, probably. Out of all things, you you, you would choose a mechanic? I like to, I like to fix things. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, just well, the, the, the satisfaction it. of the satisfaction of the problem solving. Like you know, I don't know why. I, mm. Like I fix all my I own stuff. See, I'll do all my own. And so, I can see how that correlates though with with fishing though, solving the problem. Like you probably get a lot of satisfaction out of the process of graphing and everything, and then actually finding the fish and that first tick to make it. You know that those are bass. That's probably you probably get more satisfaction out of yep. that. Than catching a bass, am I correct? Yeah, it's the finding them for me. That's what I like. Yeah. Oops. So there, there's a few people that I know that are exactly like that, and they operate the exact same as you do. And like Andy, this rings, and don't know if he listens to it, but I know our buddy Liam listens, and this is that is exactly Casey Smith, how he works here in New York. Because I talked to him about this exact same conversation, the satisfaction of. Finding those fish, understanding where they are, graphing, putting in the time. That and that screams exactly what you're talking about, Noah. Though, like the mechanic, the problem solving, like solving an issue, yep. and that satisfaction behind it. That's kind of like a lot of what an offshore guy feels like, to be honest. Yep. I like it. That's cool. Well, man, uh, yeah, appreciate you always taking the time out to be uh, to be on this show. Uh, I know everyone loves to hear from you. I. Personally, love always learning from you, and uh, hope to get some more time in the boat with you, man. Absolutely, we gotta go glide bait fishing. That's what we gotta do. I say no for real though. He's gonna be looking for that Nico rig, that Neko rig rod, and see what that bait is. So beware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be ransacking that boat. Is what I'll do. <laughs> Oh, like, I will find the juice. <laughs> oh man! Now, man, you say when? And, uh, we got some good glide bait lakes here, but it sounds like a that sounds like a plan to me, dude. Yeah, man, that'd be fun. All right, buddy. Well, it uh, it's a pleasure as always, and dude, we'll be talking to you real soon. All right, thanks for having me, guys. All right, man. Good I luck. So catch them up. Well, and it was fun. I know we had a little bit of a lag there, um, but I think nonetheless we uh, we pulled it off um, in regards to getting some some good information from from Noah. Obviously, always learn a lot from him. And I mean, from a if you want to learn from a guy that is so 
in tune with his electronics, but also able to use them from in a functionality standpoint to be like the epitome of efficient. Like there, there's guys I see even at the pro level that are not efficient whatsoever with their electronics. Uh, and this dude's on another level. So, and you can hear that a little bit with talking to him. Uh, definitely when he was in his boat while we're staging up for one of our, the media trip that we had him on, that was definitely doing a little snooping, you know, watching from the background and watching how we operate certain things. Uh, Cause there's just so much to learn. And I, I feel like, I don't know why, but I nerd out on stuff mm. like that. That's something I just love. I would love to be a fly on the wall during one of his practice days. Cause that, that just, just to soak that in. That'd be super cool. Agreed. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, great show with Noah, as always. Appreciate that guy. Uh, freaking hammer. Many, many people I've talked to have said he's the best to come out of Minnesota. Uh, and from what well, I... Has he come out of Minnesota yet? He's the best right now in Minnesota, right? Because he hasn't... Best left. in Minnesota that has yet to come out of Minnesota? People, left, they understand what we're leave. saying. They yet get it. They understand what we're saying. <laughs> but regardless, uh, always a good time. And I know he'll be back on the show here soon. Uh, but uh, what's up with you this weekend, man? What are the, what are the plans? Are you, you guiding? What, what's oh, we are on? guiding. So what do I have? I have a trip Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and I'm actually waiting on the pre-authorization for Mercury to come back so I can go get my motor fixed. <laughs> you have to wait for authorization to get your motor fixed? Because it's not broken. It's on the verge of being broken. Yeah. So. Which hey, is, it's about to break. Can yeah. I get it fixed now, or do I have to wait for it to break? <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm hoping that they say I can get it fixed now. So next Friday or Thursday after my guide trip, me and the family might be heading to Connecticut for a few days. Fingers crossed. Right. So we'll see. But yeah. is that because you have to go to Thayer's? I have to take it to Thayer's to get <laughs> the tilt trim assembly completely replaced. So. Well, yeah. Mercury's. Maybe you'll take it fishing along the way. Maybe on the way back. We'll see. It depends on how long we'll have to be there for, too. So, true. Very true. Because I have well, to get back for the following Tuesday because I have a guide trip the following Tuesday, Wednesday. So, it's going to be interesting. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, this weekend's going to be fun. Uh, going on a float trip, the river float trip with our buddy Forrest. On going Saturday. down the Oak Orchard? No, no, I'm not allowed to tell you where we're going. Oh, I know where you're going. You probably know, but I'm not allowed to tell anybody. It's, yeah, I, I know where you're going. It's his spot. Him you're and I, going, if you guys... You're going meat hunting. Yes, we will be filling the freezer, and we will also be emptying the freezer of beers. Love it. Enjoy. Filling with fish, emptying of beer. Um, So it'll be a fun day. If you guys have not seen, Force and I put up a pretty cool uh, walleye fishing video in the winter. Uh, So we're going to go... Not there, but a similar area, and uh, go to, you know go try and experiment a new place and go do a river float or take my truck, drop it down at a spot, and go float down the river section. So that'll be fun. And then uh, Sunday, I'm gonna go practice pre-practice for states. Uh, put in a little time because I was supposed to have days off going into state championships, um, but my work scheduled a trip over top of them, so unfortunately I can't do that because you know work comes first. Um, and so trying to use day, uh, half a day Sunday, cause I'm actually going to go up to St. Lawrence river Sunday night. We've got the X2, an X2 trip, uh, with the X2 crew, which will have in-person podcasts and such coming for you guys next week. Like we mentioned, therefore there's going to be no live, uh, next Tuesday night. It's just going to be, uh, we're going to try to film them Monday night and I'll try to get one out for you guys Tuesday. Um, but either way, that's going to be a lot of fun next week. Um, do some fishing on Wednesday. Do some fishing uh, Monday, Tuesday, um, but that'll be you know Saint, either St. Lawrence River. Um, but the interesting part is we might not be able to fish the St. Lawrence River. We might have to fish lakes nearby because we already have to do that with uh, with Brent Ayler and Fletcher Shryack coming up because Major League Fishing announced their schedule today, which means they can't fish with anybody in a boat per their rules. So they can't fish St. Lawrence, but if bass – doesn't announce the schedule. The bass guys at least can go back out, and fish the river and such. But just go uh, to Black. Maybe. There's actually a little lake up there. I'll text. Oh, I got some lakes. Don't you worry. Because oh. uh, we were gonna stay on one, and there's 
from what I was reading, there's big ones in there. And I was like, yeah. dang it, but that cabin book before we could get it. Yeah, so. don't don't you worry. We got we got it all figured out. But <laughs> either way, it's gonna be a fun deal. Hopefully, a lot of content coming from that on the Serious Anglers social channels. But um, Andy, this was fun as always. We have obviously the X two shows coming next week. We'll try to even do multiple shows potentially that'll spread out over the weeks to come. Maybe you guys get some bonus episodes. But for next Friday, ep- next Friday's episode, we'll have Mr. Trevor Lowe from Omnia Fishing joining us. Oh, nice! And that'll be some some cool stuff coming from Omnia, but. Without further ado, I think uh, that's going to wrap it up, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it, and if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And, of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.